Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. We're going to pick up our, uh, our teaching through the book of Proverbs uh, this morning. And I must say to you that the sermon today is not going to be anywhere near as sexy as the last ones were. In fact, after the last series, this is going to be kind of, okay, kind of, kind of dull. So, you know, but what else is new? Dull preaching. Um, actually, I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 6, and we're going to be walking through verses 1 through 5. We are in this year studying through the book of Proverbs, and as we do, I'm encouraging you, remember, to read through the book of Proverbs over and over and over. Read it through each month. You can read a chapter a day and you'll read it through in a month. And if this takes us 10 months, you'll get through, you'll read it through 10 times. If it takes us a year, you can get, but we're going to be here until we get to the, uh, uh, get to the end. Allison and I were taking a walk yesterday and we uh, uh, were talking about this series and this study and what God does. And she said if she was going to put a one word title to the book of Proverbs, it would be this great theological term, gumption. How many of you know what gumption is? And the deep south, how many are from the deep south? You know what, you know what gumption is, it's a common term, right? Do you have, do you have the, use the word gumption in other parts of the, anybody? Nobody's raising a hand. Okay, what it, what it means is street sense, common sense, um, practical smarts. Uh, wisdom for practical living, day-to-day living. Well, God gave us the book of Proverbs, uh, first of all, to show us that we are not wise and that we are sinful and that we need a Savior and point us to Jesus Christ. He does so by saying, this is what wise living looks like in the very practic- in everyday practical living. Wise, skillful living. And He desires to equip us with that. So we're all about, Bill, what we're trying to do here this morning is to continue to raise the gumption level in the life of Dogwood Church, the common sense level, the wisdom level on how to live meaningfully and powerfully in the with God life. And so uh, today we come to just a, we've been up in the heavenlies in some sense and uh, praying to God. Last week we spent all this worship service praying to God about His holiness and His righteousness and confessing sin and big, big issues. And today He drops all the way down to shoe leather on your driveway to a very, very practical matter related to the management of our money. Now, God has much to say about money and material possessions, not just our attitude and use of it, but how we manage it for His glory in the Scriptures. We come to one of those passages today. Um, And so where do we go when we don't know what to do about our money or lack of it? Well, we go to God's Word. If you'll turn to uh, Proverbs 6, verses 1 through 5, I'm going to read this aloud for you. This is God's Word. My son, if you have put up security... For your neighbor and entered into an agreement with a stranger, you have been trapped by the words of your lips, ensnared by the words of your mouth. Do this then, my son, and free yourself. For you have put up 
You have put yourself in your neighbor's power. Go, humble yourself, and plead with your neighbor. Don't give sleep to your eyes or slumber to your eyelids. Escape like a gazelle from a hunter, like a bird from a fowler's trap. Solomon, instructing his son or his and his sons in this passage, told them that if they ever in their life find themselves in the situation where they have guaranteed a loan, the modern-day equivalent of what he's talking about here is co-signing a loan. If they ever find the place where they've co-signed a loan, that they are to immediately get out of the agreement by whatever moral and legal means possible, immediately. And there are four perspectives here. There's the perspective of the son that's being taught, the coming-of-age son. There's the perspective uh, of the person being asked to guarantee a loan or co-sign on a loan. There's the perspective uh, perspective of a person who is asking help uh, attaining or... or, uh, Uh, are getting a loan for a particular need in their life. And there's actually the implied, the perspective of the lender uh, and implications for a, even not just an individual, but even for lending institutions. God, you see, God, while He is concerned about the eternal and the immortal, He is also concerned about how how you're going to handle your money tomorrow. He he is the God who uh, knows the future as if it were the past, and He is the God who knows every hair on your head. So what a great God we serve. Well, we're down to that hair on your head, money in your pocket kind of counsel from God uh, today. And, and so if, if you're a little sleepy because you had less than your usual amount of sleep, uh, here's the sermon in a sentence, and you can go ahead and take your nap. It is, the, it is this. Do not ever guarantee a loan for someone else. Amen. That's it. So I'm going to explain that just a little bit more. He says in verse 1, take a look at it in your Bibles. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor or entered into an agreement with a stranger. Now this wise father is telling his coming-of-age son that that responsible people who find themselves having money and material possessions, will most likely across their life at some time be asked to help another person secure financing or secure a loan. And this is where God's wisdom is needed because He says, remember, not everybody has gumption and that many of us are many of us are gullible, many of us are naive, many of us just don't have street marks smarts, we're just not experienced. And so he's giving us his counsel to raise our wisdom level here. And so this this phrase, put up security or entered into an agreement, carries with it the idea of pledging collateral, even pledging of one's self. Uh, it, It means to become intentionally and legally financially responsible for someone else's debt, to take on someone else's pledge. Um, This Entering into agreement is a Hebrew term that meant to strike hands. It was basically their term of shake hands on it. It's, it's, it's our version of sign a, a contract, a legal uh, agreement to uh, guarantee the loan, to agree to pay the debts of um, two types of people here. First of all, he says a neighbor. Now, that was a term that actually was a 
term that meant anyone who is close to you, someone you know, someone you love, someone you care about. Uh, it could even be a family member, a son or a daughter, a brother or sister, a mom or a dad. Uh, certainly a good friend, uh, a neighbor, someone that you know and, and you have emotional investment in their well being. A stranger was meant someone who was outside of those circles, anyone outside of those uh, circles. To put up security or enter into an agreement with them meant that, that you were, he says, trapped. He says, son, don't do it because you are then in a trap. Look at verse 2. You have been trapped by the words of your lips, ensnared by the words of your mouth. He uses hunting terms here, trapped and ensnared. You You are in a trap. Now, it is rare that I find that our government in any, any of its documents agree with God. But I found one. Uh, probably today in your free time, uh, I doubt that more than one or two of you are going to browse around on the uh, website of the Federal Trade Commission. Anybody planning on spending your day off doing that? Well, I would not either, but in the research on this topic, I came across their statement. Even the Federal Trade Commission of the United States warns us about this practice. And I quote, You are being asked to guarantee this debt. Think carefully before you do. If the borrower does not pay the debt, you will have to. Be sure you can afford to pay if you have to and that you want to accept this responsibility. You may have to pay up to the full amount of the debt if the borrower does not pay. You may also have to pay late fees or collection costs, which increase this amount. The creditor can collect this debt from you without first trying to collect from the borrower. The creditor can use the same collection methods against you that can be used against the borrower, such as suing you, garnishing your wages, etc. If this debt is ever in default, that fact may become a part of your credit record. Now, just like the tasty food that a hunter places into a trap is incredibly tempting and enticing to the animal that he's hunting, it is deceptively attractive to you and to me to help out a loved one who wants us to co-sign for a loan. Why? Because we love them. Because we care about them. We, and we want them to love us. We want them to like us. We don't want to disappoint them. Uh, it's hard to say no to a good friend. It's hard to say no to a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister, uh, even a brother or sister in Christ. Why? It's because we lead with our emotions when it comes to people in this circle of relationships. We do not lead with our minds or the wisdom of God. The temptation is to just go, I just this is a good thing. And it, and it seems benevolent. It seems generous. And here's an opportunity to to be like Jesus and to give and to help help somebody there's all it's deceptively attractive but God tells us that it is actually a sign of foolishness 
Look at Proverbs chapter 17, verse 18. You can jot that in your notes. I'm going to have it on the screen. It says, One without sense enters an agreement and puts up security for his friend. Repeat that with me now that you've seen it. Let's read it out loud. Here we go. One without sense enters an agreement and puts up security for his friend. Circle that phrase, one without sense. This is a... uh, This is translated from a Hebrew term that describes a person without common sense, a person without good sense, a person without gumption, a person devoid of understanding. It is used in the Scriptures to describe a naive person who is prone to make quick and unwise and unstable decisions. Naive, immature. Remember, the the definition of maturity is the ability to put process between opportunity and decision. The definition of immaturity is the lack of ability to put process between opportunity and decision. And here he would say, someone says, here, can you help me? Sure, without thinking, oh, I just, yes, I'll do it. Unstable, unwise decisions. It is, um, it is used in Proverbs to describe a fool. Now remember, the whole book of Proverbs compares and contrasts wisdom and, fo- and folly or foolishness. Uh, the wise person on one side, the foolish person on the other side. This is a term, one without sense, is used to describe someone who is a fool. And he's describing it in this situation. Look at Proverbs 22, verse 26. He says, don't be one of those who enters agreements, who puts up security for loans. God's saying to you and to me, don't guarantee to pay someone else's debt. Don't do that because when we do, even with the greatest of motives, even with the highest of motives, even with uh, generosity and love in mind, we are caught in a trap of our own making. Now, the reason God says this is a trap have you ever seen a, a, an animal caught in a trap that, that was not designed to kill the animal? Have you ever done? Anybody got any? I have. It's kind of ugly. Uh, they're wounded. They're suffering. And um, he uses this same term here. You're in a trap. He means it causes suffering. He says this practice of co-signing, guaranteeing a loan for someone else, most of the time causes suffering. Uh, Let me give you a few examples here. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 15, the Scriptures say, if someone puts up security or cosigns for a stranger, he will suffer for it. But the one who hates such agreements is protected. He's saying here that whoever makes a deal with strangers is going to get burned. But if you keep a cool head, you'll avoid rash bargains. Suffering like this. It causes suffering like the loss of your own resources in paying off someone else's debts when they can't or won't do it. Proverbs 22 verse 27 says this, If you have no money to pay, even your bed will be taken from under you. See, don't do it. Now, if you'll think back a couple of weeks ago when we were in Proverbs chapter 5 in our uh, study of what Proverbs says about sexual ethics, we saw that we were warned to avoid sexual immorality in general 
and adultery specifically because one of the payoffs would be that you're, you would lose your resources. Your resources would go to another, to a stranger. Well, now, just a few verses later, he says, also avoid co-signing because if you do, you're going to lose your resources that way. He's giving a warning here about being responsible for what you're supposed to be responsible for and not responsible for what you are not. It causes, uh, it causes suffering. It also causes suffering like damaged credit. If you co-sign for a loan on a car, the lender will not contact you when the loan is paid late every month, uh, but your credit is damaged every month. The lender will not contact you before they repossess the car, but you will end up with a repo on your credit record. They will contact you to pay the difference between the debt and the below wholesale repo price they got for the car, which is called a deficit. They will do that. Uh, Damaged credit. Uh, It also causes this kind of practical suffering. Destroyed relationships between the borrower and the lender and the one who guaranteed the loan Broken and bruised relationships. Dave Ramsey, uh, that many of us are familiar with, the, uh, the financial advisor and uh, radio and television personality, tells, uh, records this story from one of his listeners by the name of Joan. Let me read it. Joan wrote these words, I thought I had it made. I got through a divorce and paid off the bills for my marriage, so I only had a house payment to make. I did it in only three years Then my youngest son asked me to co-sign on a car loan for him. He said his father had no credit and couldn't help him. I said, okay, and ended up with a car in my name only. But mom, I promise I'll make the payments. Now I have a car payment and a son who won't talk to me because I won't let him have the car he didn't make a single payment on. On top of that, I paid off my house, so I only have a car payment on a car that I don't need. So I'm upside down. I'm so upside down that I would have to pay eight thousand dollars to be able to sell the car. Ouch! Damaged relationships. Ramsey goes on and makes this quote in only his uh, country humor can do. He says. Thanksgiving dinner tastes 100% better when friends or relatives don't owe one another money. Not bad. There's the the suffering of the hostility toward the debtor who defaulted defaulted on the loan. But there's a bigger picture. We Americans tend to think all, you know, we're we're pretty selfish. We're just about us. You know, the older I get... Somebody told me, introduced me one day and said, Oh, our pastor, he just loves people. He just loves Jesus. And I appreciated that. But in my heart, I said, You know, really, I just love me. And I'm trying to work, you know, I'm trying to get that right. How about, you know, that's us, isn't it? I really love us. We really, I really love me. You really love you? Yeah. To the exclusion of other people uh, that I should love. So we think about how these things affect just us as individuals. But throughout the Scriptures, God is concerned about the common good. He's concerned about the community. He's concerned about the culture. He's concerned about the country. He's concerned about the whole wide world. He's got the whole world in His hands, believers and unbelievers. And and throughout the Scriptures, He commands us and instructs us 
as his children on how to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth uh, to, to live even in sacrificial ways in order to bless the greater good, the community. And so part of this instruction is because to ignore this particular instruction from God has brought great instability to our culture. Um, Stability of the society was a prime consideration for God. He was basically saying this, loans all too eagerly given and, and promises or commitments lightly made or co-signing rashly contribute to the economic instability of a people. Here's, here's our, we've been living through a great illustration of this. Uh, the United States subprime mortgage crisis that led to the great financial crisis of 2007 and 2008, uh, that led to the great worldwide recession, had its root in these very attitudes and practices that we're describing today. Now, we've got to be more complex than that. No. Even unbelievers who've written about the analysis of the difficulty we got in come to the same conclusion. We just fundamentally set up a system that ignored, now they may not recognize as God's wisdom, but it is precisely what He said here. The economic mess we're in and all the suffering it's brought came because we've ignored God's wisdom in these matters. Now, all of this could and should be avoided if we follow the admonition instead to hate or express incredible reluctance to be put in the position of guaranteeing someone else's indebtedness. So, the question comes, so pastor, well, what if we've already made that mistake? I mean, what if, what if I've already, what if I'm already a co-signer uh, on a loan for a, my son or my daughter or my brother or my sister or my best friend? Well, when we find ourselves in that situation, God's wisdom is the best to follow, and He speaks to that in verses three through five of chapter six. Take a look at it. Do this then, my son, and free yourself, for you have put yourself in your neighbor's power. Go, humble yourself and plead with your neighbor. Don't give sleep to your eyes or slumber to your eyelids. Escape like a gazelle from a hunter, like a bird from a fowler's trap. I mean, there is no way that we could overstate the urgency that the the construction in the Hebrew text of the Bible here brings to this issue. He's saying, take decisive action. Perform radical surgery. Now. Do it now. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. Don't go to sleep again until you get yourself free. He says, uh, deliver yourself. Run like a deer from the hunter. Fly like a bird from the trapper. Get out of there. Free yourself. God wants us to take responsibility for ourselves, but not responsibility for things that are not our responsibility. And so he says, if you have... If you put your financial future into the hands of someone that the banks already consider to be a bad risk, 
you're acting irresponsibly and you're helping that person to continue their irresponsibility. It's not a good idea. And he says, use any and every legal means to get yourself out of the agreement. Uh, he says three things. Go, look at it, go, humble yourself, and plead with your neighbor. Go is a, is a word that means get after it. Go now. Drop everything. Go now. Humble yourself is a, is a uh, Hebrew term that could be literally translated to be trampled upon. And it means get down on before the person and grovel if you have to. Let them trample all over you and call you every bad name in the book because you're wanting to back out of the deal of guaranteeing their loan. It doesn't matter. Uh, you just you humble yourself. You go to the you go to the lending institution if they're involved and say, "Get my name out of this agreement." I'll do anything. You and it, when it says plead with your neighbor, that word plead means pester them to death. It says make them feel like they're being nibbled to death by a duck. I mean, leave a stream of emails, leave a stream of voicemails, knock on their door, get all up in their face to disrupt their lives. You do whatever it... He's, he's saying, you get out of the agreement. He could not be more urgent in his expression of what we are to do here in this situation. So, what's a better alternative? Here's the good news from God. He says, a better alternative is outright generosity. Now we're going to come back to the, to the teachings on generosity from the Scriptures a little later in the book of Proverbs. But he would say, God would say here, if you really want to help someone and they really need help and the help that they're asking for is something that would benefit them because, you know, there is, there is a way to help that hurts people. You know that, don't you? Every parent knows that. Think about your kids. They don't know what's good for them and what's not. You have the ability to do so. At least part of the time we do. It's hard to know as a parent always what's best for our kids. They come and say, I want this. And you say, well, no. Well, they may pitch a fit. and I'm mad and, you know, you don't love me anymore. Well, yeah, I do. You just, you don't need that. It's not going to be good for you. I've told you the story. I mean, even little things. When I was a little boy, I was at the grocery store with my father. And we were checking out. And I was right at the, I was right at the level of the candy at the checkout, you know. You know what I mean? I mean, some of us are still, we get right at the level of the candy, you know, every time we go by. Well, I was right at the level of the candy, and there was this big Milky Way bar there, which is my favorite candy bar, and I'm throwing out hints there, just so you know. Milky Way, and I tugged on it. He always wore his khaki pants, had a pocket watch chain right there, and I'm, I can still see that chain jiggling. up. Daddy? Yes, son? Can I have that can uh, one of those candy bars? He said, this is a quote. No. I mean, it was not just no or not now or maybe later. It was no. And I looked, I said, why not? He said, it's not good for you to get everything you want. Get in the car. He was right. Now, I don't know that... It's said that way exactly in Proverbs, but I think we should staple it in the book. It's not good for everything. So, so but if someone has a legitimate need, then it's better if you are able to give them the money with no strings attached. But if you don't have it, don't sign up to pay for it. 
because you likely will. In dealing with close friends and family members or brothers and sisters in Christ, it's better uh, to, to give gifts. There is less strain and better relationships. Uh, and, and so then they may come back later on and they might repay you. Well, good then. Well, if they do, you've got some unexpected dollars to give away to somebody else. Practice generosity. That's God's way uh, of, of doing this. So let me wrap this up this way. There are at least three groups that have a takeaway application here. First of all, to all of us here who are currently co-signers, if you are currently in a credit arrangement hold, that's holding you hostage, you must get free. Just start today, get out of the agreement. Yeah, but I told them I would. Yeah, I know, but you were really dumb to do so. And so that's what I'm, I'm quoting God. I didn't say that. And take it up with him. Take it up with him. He said, just, just say, and you go and say, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done this. It wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for you. I love you, but I'm backing out of the, I will not guarantee what you get out of the deal. If you're here and you are a borrower who has secured someone else to co-sign for you, your immediate action is to let them out of the deal. We'll say, well, that, but then I'll lose my loan. We'll lose your loan. Let, let God figure it out. Let them out of the deal. Now, one little insight for lenders. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'm, I'm just so you know, I don't expect to get a call from the people on Wall Street tomorrow morning saying, oh, I heard what you said. If we'd only known, we would change our practices on Wall Street. No, they won't. But here's an imp- here's if you work for a lending institution, then if someone comes for a loan and they do not qualify, but you, in your system, you say, but it, we will do this if you get someone to guarantee the loan, if you someone co-sign for you. Don't do it anyway. Don't, in, don't, don't, inc- don't encourage business by putting people in financial and spiritual positions that God says don't do. Now, you can get more loans, make more money, because they say, well, we don't care who we get the money from. Well, you should. So, so there. And this is pretty much what God says. One other thing. There is one, only one situation. Let me give it, God gives a disclaimer here to you and me, and it's this. There is a particular debt situation in which he says it's okay to get someone else to guarantee your debt. In fact, he says you must. And that is our sin debt that we owe to God. We will never have any ability to repay that debt. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that you and I were dead in our trespasses and sins. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. We have no ability. We have a debt that we cannot pay. Job, that great suffering saint of God in the book of Job, chapter 17, verse 3, praying to God, says this, Make arrangements for me, God. Make arrangements. Put up security for me. Who else will be my sponsor? He was saying, in other words, to God, God, I'm a bad risk. I don't have the ability to repay this sin debt. I need you to do for me what I wouldn't do for anyone else like me. I need you to cover my sin debts to you, past, present, and, and future. And at the cross, 
God the Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, stepped out of heaven, came to earth, lived a perfect life, went to the cross to guarantee our debt, paid the price in full, satisfying His very own demands of justice because He loves us. And He could. That's the time you'd call for someone to guarantee your debt. And if you've never done that, I'd encourage you to do that today. Pray with me. So Lord, thank You that You've made a way for us. Thank You that in Your amazing grace, You give us a place to stand in Your presence. That by grace, through faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we can be adopted as children of God. And our sin debt forgiven. And thank You that You loved us so much that You give us practical instructions for day-to-day living. Like what to do with our money, how to get it, how to keep it, how to invest it, what to do, what not to do. So, Lord, may this truth and these helps and your grace cause us to love you more and follow your ways. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.